0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. This is a maker podcast on the Makery Network where we talk to makers about making things. You know what I'm saying? But before we get into it with Joshua Prince of Prince Works Forge, I got to talk to you about a couple new sponsors. Well, one's a new sponsor. AK Interactive. AK Interactive is a web service from our friend, Andreas Kalani. Andreas Kalani the Golden Kalani does websites and here's what I'm telling you you got your welders you got your power hammers you got your table saws you know what you're making you're figuring out how to make it you got to bring it to marketplace but guess what you don't have you have a lousy website Andreas Kalani at AK interactive is going to fix your problems he is a maker who makes he's a knife maker as you know if you've listened to the Golden Kalani He has 20-plus years of experience in design and marketing uh, for knife makers and craftsmen for websites. He does logo and identity design, business cards design, marketing collateral design, web design, e-commerce storefront. He uses common platforms such as Spotify, Wix, and WordPress. He has made websites for Steve Schwarzer, Mike Tyree, Don Nguyen, Will Brigham, that's the artificery, and Luke Delmeyer, as, as well as his own. So here's the thing. You got all this stuff. You know how to make your stuff. You want to have a website because you want to start selling stuff. Andreas Kalani is the guy. Go to akinteractive.com. You could probably slip into his DMs as well. akinteractive.com, and what he'll do is he will make your website. He's got a he's got a price. You give him 50% up front, 50% when it's done. No monthly fees. That's great. And here's the thing. You cuz I know all these websites they tell you how to make a website, but maybe you don't want to make a website. Maybe you want someone else to do it. Andreas is the guy for you. And if you put it, if you tell him, I mean, he doesn't he's 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 going to be interactive with you. You tell him full blast t- uh, 10, he's going to take 10% off. So he's going to set up your website, make it look good, make it so you can take in money, and then he's going to show you how to get it squared away so you can up, you know, fix it and stuff like that or change things easily, and if you ever need him, he's there for you 100%. He's a maker making websites for other makers. It's worth it. The people who use him love it. I love it. I love Andreas. Andreas Kalani, the golden Kalani, is the man. Go to akinteractive.com. Um, and and then or you can slip into his DMs, uh, akinteractive.com. Go ahead and, and, and give him a support. He's the best. I love Andreas Kalani. I wouldn't do this if he wasn't my friend. He's my friend. Support local business. Support small guys. He's going to support you. Next thing, next thing. All right. You got to put something on your axes and your hammers and your knives and stuff like that. You got to seal it. Why not do use Axe Wax? Axe Wax is an all-natural food-safe wax for all your stuff and if you go to AxWax.us, you put in promo code fullblast10 you will get 10% off and it's great I love it you put on your boots you can put on your leather jacket it's all natural no uh, petroleum byproducts that's good enough for me it should be good enough for you it's good enough for some of the best and getting that 10% off is nice so <sighs> axewax.us put in promo code fullblast10 we're all squared away. I think I said for Andreas Kalani, full blast 10. So, yeah, don't say full blast 10 for Andreas Kalani, AK Interactive, full blast 10 for uh, Axe Wax. Now that's squared away. My guest today is Joshua Prince. Joshua Prince, Prince Works Forge on Instagram, is on my list of when I, when I look at knife makers and bladesmiths and sculptors. And if I, have, if I had one of, the, one of those things, those circles where they interact, they intersect, and the middle is all three of them, Joshua Prince is in that, he is in that vortex of sculptor, blacksmith, bladesmith, and knife maker. And I'm, I, I love his work, and I'm so glad you're here. Josh, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm all revved up and ready to go.
0: I'm so happy to hear that. After those great reads... Um,
1: Andre, I just want to say, Andreas Kalani is the golden Kalani. I mean, that makes total sense. He's a very creative person and technical, and, I, and the references are unbelievable for what? the work he's done. And Axe Wax, I use on my lips. I've been using it as a lip balm.
0: You, well, here's the, you know, it's interesting that you just mentioned that. I had, the if you listen to the end of the Full Blast podcast, my friend uh, Leo, uh, Leonard Lee, Leo Lee, does he sent me these commercials and he just as a he's a listener he listens to podcasts he's got an awesome voice he did a couple of reads and i was making the joke that oh yeah you know we were getting messages i was getting messages saying that people are using wax for their hair <laughs> and that they were using it for you know because it, it's all natural. They you know whatever so i actually so leo had did a great read he did, and, and craig is going to throw it on at the end it's, it's he's, he's a good guy and he had done one read where he says, you could even put it on your hair. <laughs> I reached out to Axe Wax to ask him about it. And I said, is it okay if I say that it's food safe? You know, I say it's food safe. It's all natural. Do I? But at the same time, it's not my company. Axe yeah. Wax has been amazing to me. So I can't just like, you know, I can't just start saying everything. And I don't want to get them in trouble. So we've well, we got said to- eating it already. Well, see, that's – so here's – luckily for us, I think we're all, like, regular adults and this isn't, you know, this isn't going to be like a, buying a cup of coffee from McDonald's and suing it because it's hot. They said to me that it, they, they're they legally not allowed to say that you can eat it or put it in your hair. Okay. But at the same time, it was, like, more along the lines of – it was a legal situation. It wasn't, like – it wasn't um, – Well, they'd have to get
1: FDA approval. Yeah. Sort of they
0: They were just saying we don't – the guy was just like look we don't say it you know because we're not supposed to say it but at the same time he's just like you could almost you could almost hear him on the internet saying but it's like i mean he's telling he was basically saying i mean he's not yelling at me <laughs> but at the same time he's just like yeah just don't say people you don't, you don't eat it or put it in your hair so i've stopped doing that so in regards to your lips god bless you <laughs> don't tell me about it anymore keep, keep, we're gonna keep it on this podcast but for the listeners of the podcast this isn't really i mean look it's food safe and all natural but at the same time it's just like you know you don't need to eat cans of it and well, shove it in I'm, your hair i'm very
1: excited to be on with you i mean dude you're had, the man
0: we had, we've a had good... all
1: my her- all my knife making heroes have been on this podcast i and, have uh, been getting including including uh jeff fader who I've been following from the very beginning, who you've been a huge inspiration to me in terms of like design aesthetic, you know, your persona, your business drive, your work ethic. I mean, unbelievable. So to be here and, and to talk to you and to follow, you know, behind some of the people that I consider to be absolutely the best and whose work I really admire, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored and, you know, flattered that you asked me to, to be on. Well, uh, I'm honored. I to be on as well. I'm
0: honored and flattered that you're on because you're my friend. I when I when people, I get people slipping into my DM saying, "You need to talk to this person. You need to talk to this person. You need to talk to this person." And I'm I'm coming up on a year on a year of doing this every week, and I didn't expect it to be an interview show. You know, when I first started it, I thought I was just going to be like I was <laughs> going to keep it very vague in terms of what my direction was, and I was trying to figure things out. And then well, all of a sudden, it was just like. It's much easier to talk to people um, and, you know, have some sort of interaction. And then it started to be like, I started to have this idea like, well, I should just start talking to a lot of people. So basically, I'm very fortunate the fact that I know the people I'm talking to. And it is, you know, it is one of those things where it's a cop out for me. I am getting better at it. But at the same time, I'm fortunate that I know the people that have been on the show. And it's hard because... There's a lot of people who I, who want to be interviewed or who want to who I should be interviewing, and part of it is me just being a little bit intimidated by where I'm at now in terms of an as a you know I have my own idiosyncrasies in terms of I'm very aware of like all the verbal crutches I say and and it drives me crazy and I, I'm kind of like I'm not a I'm not a great interviewer yet, but I'm I'm appreciative of the fact that you're here and uh, I'm looking forward to you know catching up with you. Yeah, well,
1: I, I think you're doing a great job, And the verbal crutches, I mean, we all have them, and I, frankly, you you get to know a person, and you just know the way they speak, and it, you know, I think it's fine, but I, I feel the same as you, you know, you, you're you looking at, you know, you're constantly looking at yourself and reviewing how you're doing, and that's part of, that's part of anything, it's part of craft, it's part of, you know, just being your best person, I guess, you know, always want to kind of have a, an ability to self-assess,
0: um. I was talking to my kid about verbal crutches because she was say she's become quite an interesting person. She says that her verbal crutches, she says like too much. Like, yeah. you know, my girls, kids, like I said to her, like that was when I was a kid, you said like a lot. And I, <laughs> and I, we were trying to figure out what it is about a verbal crutch that gets you over a conversation. Like I say, you know, it's interesting because, or you know, what's funny or it's, you're setting up. It's almost like I said, it's, it feels like it's. It's like when you're, I said like 10 times after I said like, it like, well, to the listener, don't think I didn't realize that.
1: You don't know you're saying it, but also people, it, they don't hear it. It's like the word the.
0: Well, it, it is true. But it, what happens is, is these verbal crutches are almost like it lifts you up to the, it lifts you up the hill. And yeah. then after you say it, it's all downhill. Like it gets you to the top of the hill and then it's or like a like a roller coaster. It gets you to the top of the roller coaster and then you can just kind of coast down. So these yeah. verbal crutches set up your conversation, but it also is like it's it's a it can be like a reset uh in the conversation, but it's also it's 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 lazy thinking for me. So I yeah. know because I I listen to knife talk and I listen to this and I, I I almost count how many times, and I'm trying to make I'm trying to wean myself off of certain phrasing.
1: Listen, it's so it's hard. I mean, to be able to listen to yourself is it's difficult. I mean, I've been interviewed a couple of times, a couple of you know a TV thing, unfortunately, and uh, I can't watch it, and I can hardly even listen to myself. It's like what do you oh, mean, I listen to five minutes of it and I
0: switch it off. <laughs> what do you? Wait a second. What do you mean? Unfortunately, what were you on that was unfortunate?
1: Oh, not unfortunate. I'm just I mean a little bit. Okay. Facetious. Okay.
0: Trust me, I know all about it. I I, I, I can't watch that Epicurious video anymore because it like hurts. It hurts to watch it, and you know it's eighteen minutes. So it's like <sighs> TV
1: TV appearances can al- almost always be unfortunate.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. I look, it's it's one of those things that you know. I, I, it, there's definitely this sense that the idea. I mean, you can. There are are like TV weathermen local TV weathermen who go on every day and they have a regular job like anybody else they're not paid millions of dollars just because they're on the television and it's 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 a schlag and I think that what happens is, is the people who are used to watching TV they assume because you're on TV that means you're famous like and it just becomes like well I mean it's just you know three weeks later it's like nothing's happened so I I don't think the 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 people at large realize that, you know, these things really kind of don't mean anything in the, in the long scope of things. Yeah. So, how has pandemic been for you?
1: It's been a huge shift, but you know, thinking about things going back is also feels like a huge shift. I mean, I I was able to um work from home like a lot of folks and I realized that that's not Everybody hasn't been, you know, sort of relegated to this work from home situation. Um, but my normal day to day would would have been, you know, other than obviously the, the the knife making and the artwork was sales job and it was an on, on the road job. So that's that's what I've been used to for the last probably 20 years. Hmm. And so this has put me uh, in a situation where I'm working on the phone mainly and instead of visiting, visiting with people and it it would seem like a good thing, but it made it really difficult to, even more difficult for me, which is already was difficult for me because I'm so obsessed with what i whatever project I'm doing as far as um knife making or sculpting i'm so I'm constantly thinking about it and a little bit obsessed with it and I had a good situation where I could split those two worlds, and then now being at home has made it a really difficult thing to try to separate them. And try Why to allocate the appropriate time at the right time of the day to what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh. At the same time, it's hard to think about going back. Um, yeah, I guess I'm suffering f- like from what a lot of people are, a huge change. It's been changed for so long that it's almost become a new way that I'm very accustomed to and would have to adapt again. But I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I realize it's uh, short-term, you know, it's temporary. It's It eventually has to go back to some,
0: some balance. What I, what I used to do. That separation for a lot of people is very important because I, I have it. When I moved into my shop, my, my last shop was my shed and basement. Like I had the downstairs basement and the shed and I could, I got everything done in there. And when I moved over to this shop, I really wanted there to be a separation because I really wanted it to be more like a job mm-hmm. and when I came home, I didn't want, because when I had my shop in the basement in the, and in the shed, I could like run mm-hmm. out for 15 minutes or I could run out for an hour or I would say, hey, can, you mind if I take an hour just to kind of, or get something done, it'll really help me out. She says, fine. Yeah, And I would, it was convenient for a lot of things, gluing up and, you know, little things that won't take you a couple, that long. But at the same time, it made it very hard for me to kind of, like, wind down. It's so, inefficient,
1: and, and probably the time you spent was rushed.
0: Well, I mean, you you have this idea, like, or if I couldn't sleep at night. You know, if I couldn't, if it was, I, you know, sometimes I don't sleep, and I'm up at mm-hmm. 4 in the morning, and it's like, you know, that's something actually in my, my mother's father, my grandfather, used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and just start his day. And when I was a young kid, and I would stay with them, I would wake up with him and I would watch him shave and I would come downstairs. And by the time we got downstairs, it was five o'clock in the morning and we'd go get, we'd run to the store to get the paper for the family or whatever and prepare breakfast. And I always kind of liked that. But at the same time, you know, when I had my shop at home, I could wait. If I couldn't, you know, woke up at four in the morning, I'd just go downstairs in the basement and stuff like that. And now I, because I have the separation, I, ha- I, very, I try very hard to be very... um present for my family Mm. and but at the same time it's like I can imagine for you where you're at home you have your shop at home and maybe there's some you know like an hour between phone calls or whatever yeah I'm I'm assuming I'm not it's very I would be very tempting to say you know maybe (laughs) I can get a couple more heats in on this piece of (laughs) Damascus and while it's cooling down you know by the time I've done this phone call maybe I can you know I'll be able to it'll be cool enough that I can do I can restack it
1: yeah. So that's, yeah, that's been the biggest thing. It's disrupted that whole balance. So I've tried to get back to that where it's, you know, sort of like the f- first part of the day is, is one job and the second part of the day is the other job plus the weekend. Right. And uh, so I've gotten back pretty close to, to that because the worst thing is being rushed and trying to start something when you know you really don't have the time is, is um, it creates its own problems. You You know, you find yourself rushed or wondering when the phone's going to ring or when someone's going to call you, come right. out and dis- disrupt what you're doing. So right. when I'm in, and- I am in, I'd like to have, you know, these processes that they take hours sometimes, you know, and my biggest problem is impatience. I almost need a timer, like an egg timer or something to keep me from pulling steel out of the forge and putting it, you know, under a machine. Because really? I don't have, you know, you lose your sense of how long things are taking. It's like, man, this is taking forever. Let me. It looks good. I'll t- pull it out. <laughs> that those some of my earliest, you know, some of my biggest failures have been due to my impatience with you with think different that's processes.
0: For, don't you think that's for most craftsmen and artists are like that?
1: Yeah, you want to see it happen. You want to. You're making it happen and standing there. You know, my shop is very small, so there's not. I can't start a separate task. We're not really. Right. And there's not a lot of room, so I find myself usually just um, kind of choosing the next song I want to hear or, or stepping out into the open air to, where it's a little cooler and fresher, And uh, and but that impatience grows. Um, so that's, uh, that, you know, so I've got myself into a pretty good spot now where I'm able to split my time well. So that's the biggest impact. I mean, other than that, you know, I'm getting ready to look, looking forward to ha- having things resume my wife's going to be traveling back home to see her family this summer we have a family uh, get together possibly in June in uh in Oklahoma so looking forward to travel got one or two shots going back for the second shot at the uh, at the end of this month and i got the non-glamorous covid
0: <laughs> you oh, were talking
1: you, did. you were talking. yeah i got the unfashionable covid which is covid oh yeah a year after yeah, you know, after a year of kind of being at home, I ended up getting sick, and uh, got better, and then went and got my first vaccination.
0: Wow! See, yeah. that's that was a the, uh, that was a joke that my family and I had because we were, <laughs> I like we the were joke. involved in the first wave, and we were trying to figure out the noble the noble way of getting COVID, and we made a joke saying, "At what point? Do you, at what point is it like?" Is at what point is it not the noble way to get it? And it was a we we were being obnoxious I and mean, but I really you know. felt
1: that I was like okay this is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Maybe. well, look, yeah. It, ultimately, hopefully, things are going to get better very soon because it's it seems as though. Um, more people are getting the vaccine and being more careful, and and uh, you you hear these stories about there are people less people getting the flu too, and a lot of that's because you know yeah. with the quarantining and and being six feet apart. I'm sure they're. It's I'm glad things. Are, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad your family's okay, and we're gonna get back to it. Yeah, I
1: actually finished. Uh, I got sick in the middle of working on my knives for the Dama show, and I was already way behind. I had to. I had a month to get the steel in and, and make as many as I could. And I made eight, I forged out eight and I was determined that I had to finish all eight. And, uh, within the 30 days, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, uh, with a a material that I wasn't very familiar with and new processes and new process for everything. And the eight, you know, eight is a big number for a completely custom made knife to make, to make eight of them in one month. And I got sick in the middle of that. Oh man! And I had to stop. I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. As much as really? I wanted to, I was like, I probably shouldn't even push it because I don't want to run myself down. And I really wasn't capable of doing much. So I just waited. It took five days before I could start working again. But I managed to get them all done. I was very happy with that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. steals it's not It's not just the same. It's just this. It's not the same as everything else. And it's what is interesting another verbal crutch, when when you were talking about being impatient, blacksmithing and bladesmithing are so different because bladesmithing is so much more about, is so much more like critical weighting in science as opposed to blacksmithing. You kind of don't, with blacksmithing in general, you're using mild steel, maybe you're not doing any heat, you're most likely not doing any heat treatment. You don't have to worry as much in regards to um, soak times, as long as you're not doing Damascus, if you, you're worried about the outside, the the mass and the outside, as opposed to what's on the inside and how it works. So being impatient for a blacksmith is a little bit easier because you're not confined. There is such a huge difference between blacksmithing and bladesmithing where you you are, as a blacksmith, you're not confined by all these restrictions, these time restrictions. And you know, heat treating and tempering, and, and mm. what's going on on the inside, and how do the forge weld work? And as much if you're if you're doing dem- if you're do- unless you're doing forge welded and stuff like that. So I would think for you, being because I know you have a background in art, you you grew up in a family of artists. I remember you telling us the story on on uh, 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 knife talk that you had like a table saw in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> it was my table saw, only my exclusive use.
0: So, growing yeah. up, when did you – how did you ask your parents – let's just go back a little bit. So, when you were a kid, your parents were artists.
1: Yes, both parents and- were artists. My uh, my father studied art. He actually, My father's from Antigua. Um, he passed away back in 2014, but he's he, he was originally from Antigua. He was born in 1925, and he was an artist in the islands, a big family, one of 12. Huh. And they're all artists of different types, though. Uh, in his family, a lot of musicians, but he was the only um, art painter. And his father, I think, his father wanted was a policeman and wanted him to become a policeman. And he he was not interested in that. He wanted to be an artist, and uh, he got the opportunity to come to uh, come to America. I think he was probably in his mid thirties. He had a sponsor, a, a wealthy family in in actually in Rhode Island, but they sponsored him to come over, and he came to uh, the U.S. and Moved to um, Brooklyn, and my mother uh, was uh, was is from California, and her uh, her father was a builder. And she I don't know what, what drove her interest in art, but she uh, she pursued that passion and uh, put, moved to Brooklyn as well. Huh, and that's where they met. So they're both artists. Yeah, we grew up. Uh, they they met in Brooklyn, New York, where my bro- older brother was born. But uh, probably when he was just a few months old, they moved to Vermont. They decided, this was the 1960s, and uh, they decided they wanted to become subsistence farmers in Vermont and artists. It sounds kind of crazy, but I think people were doing a lot of things, like, you know, in the in the 1960s and with all the changes that were happen, happening happening in this country, they decided that they wanted to, to try a life in, in Vermont, so they bought a farm, uh, sixty something acres in Vermont, which means basically you clear an acre and the rest of it you you're living down in a hole of trees. But it was a huge piece of land uh, that they had, and uh, I probably skipped over some of some of my father's and mother's background. But they you know they studied and taught my father taught in in Brooklyn, and then he came to uh, when he moved to Vermont, which was southernmost Vermont, a little town called Stanford. He got a job at a college in North Adams, Massachusetts, which is right over the border, and was teaching sculpture and painting there. And eventually that led him to an opportunity at Rhode Island School of Designs, where he was a professor of sculpture and wow, painting.
0: Wow. Now, that's that's saying a lot. That's not just a... Uh, that's saying a lot. Rhode Island School of Design, yeah. one of the great art schools in the United States.
1: In the 80s, what he was a professor there. Yeah,
0: that I mean, that's like... I mean it doesn't get much better than that what, i w I'm interested to know when he before he came to the United States, what kind of work was he doing like what was his what was the, the what was the ideas of his work
1: He was more interested in nature, and that that never changed. He never really did abstract painting or sculpture. Well, I could say the sculpture would would be some somewhat abstract and uh modern versus hyper real uh and the same thing for the paintings they were more like impressions i guess of of nature and then the sculptures were also impressions of nature but um animals in nature eagles and lions animals of power where he was really interested in as subject matter but in the islands i think it was mostly landscape paintings it's a beautiful place and there's there's a lot to appreciate you know so that that was his focus, and uh that that persisted through through so, all of his life
0: so just because, i mean i kn- I knew that your parents were artists, but I didn't know your father was an art professor at one of the great art schools in the united states
1: yeah it's it's that... been an amazing connection with risd I didn't go to risd i mean i my parents were artists, and i've I've said this before i i had you know naturally we you know what we had access to and what we were exposed to through our childhood, they never my father and mother never said, you know, the, the, we want you to do this or instructed us really in any way or showed any interest, frankly, in, in teaching us. But I think naturally my brothers both of my brothers, I have an older brother and a younger brother, all kind of gravitated toward these these different things. We're all doing something professionally completely different and there's reasons for that. But we definitely gravitated toward toward artistic
0: um, but your father ended up doing the same thing, where he, ha- he ba- as an art professor, you're being paid to be an art professor, but at the same time, you're doing something different than being an artist.
1: That's true. Yeah. You know? And the, the teaching, the teaching really becomes a, a way for, for a lot of artists, the teaching becomes a way for them to really to do art, to support their artistic passion. The teaching is sort of a, a, a vehicle to, to that end. And the same is true for my mother. She she really, what she wanted to do was make art. But from a standpoint of making a living, it's, it's very difficult.
0: If uh, you don't mind me asking, was he at teaching there around 1992?
1: No, it would have been in the 80s. Oh, 70, it would have been 1975 to around 1980, the early 80s. I early was going to was say
0: he would have been the one that rejected me. <laughs> that, would have been great. that would have been great. I wanted to go to RISD so bad. I wanted to go to RISD. My my dad was a painter. And I said, he used to say to me, if you're going to do something, you got to do it 100%. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I want to be an artist. And he's just like, well, where do you want to go? And I said, I'm gonna, if I'm going to be an artist, I want to go to RISD. And he wouldn't let me apply. Wow. But I know that if I had applied based on my high school, because the high, our high school art scene, our high school art classes were terrible. My portfolio, I would not have gotten into Brizzy. There's just no way. It just was so. It was. It was the art surprised. classes. Even, at, pardon You'd be me. Surprised?
1: You'd be surprised. Uh, I mean, it's not all. It's sometimes it's about the idea and the the mind behind the person, not necessarily their level of art. Because you're, you know, you're 18 years old. There are people who have the ability at, eight, at 17 or 18 to do incredible things. To to manifest things onto paper or into sculpture in incredible ways, but the, the ideas are not there. The ideas, the thinking is not there. And, um, you know, my, my son at full circle, you know, I kind of had an uh, avoided the whole idea of becoming an artist because of our, you know, the basically just being kind of like, not really having the means, you know, you get exposed to a lot of people who have means as an artist and as a child, as the children of artists, because, Somehow, my both my parents always had access to these people of immense wealth because that's the artist who the artist is appealing to. So you're kind of in between these two worlds. But we never had we not ourselves never had the means. So I kind of had an aversion to becoming an artist, and I directly avoided it and went into electronics engineering. And and when I went to college, which didn't last, (laughs) Mm. but uh, I took a, a hard left or right turn away from that as soon as I could but my son full circle went to RISD and he was huh. you know he was he was very skilled when he went there but I think his thinking is what kind of got him in and um I don't know if they were doing it when you applied you you did apply to RISD
0: or I didn't apply to oh RISD. you didn't my parents oh, okay. wouldn't let me oh there's two places my parents wouldn't let me do RISD and the U.S. Marines <laughs> i'm those telling are very, you it's 100 true. those are the two things and then i'm trying to think of any place else. no those are the only hard hard nose that my parents wouldn't let me do
1: those are two very different choices
0: very different choices yeah. i when 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 the the first persian gulf war yeah uh happened i was there I was with a, you 1991 1990 yeah, 1990 what? 1991 92 yeah I was the only one in my senior class who was disgusted by the fact that my, a lot of my classmates who were real chickenhawks mm-hmm. said if you if my one you had a one teacher who was a Vietnam vet and he was talking about the draft and I had I had I had uh, done I my father served in world war ii and i went when at 18 when it 18 come i just filled out for selective service so if in case the draft came back i guess that was yeah, I, I don't think that was ever going to happen but at the same time i was just like all right well you know yeah. but i was the only one in my class who didn't like the war didn't like war in general but said that i would enlist before uh going to canada and my friends all wanted to go to canada And it was just like this very, very, I was like, well, then I'm just going to go to the Marines now. (laughs) At the same time, I wanted discipline. Like I felt discipline was very, I really felt like I didn't count on myself. And I I told my parents, I did a big, I sold, I tried to sell going to the Marines to my father who had served. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, you served your country uh, your brother served his country. My uncle, who passed away from leukemia from uh, from Agent Orange uh, on my mother's side, he was a Marine. I was like, I'm going to join the Marines. Yeah. And they were like, it was like a long three months of hmm. not going to the Marines. She's like, my dad's just like, I served, so you don't have to serve. You're not serving. I don't want you to serve. And it was very much along the lines of it was this big thing. I was like, well, then I want to go to RISD. He's like, you're not going to RISD either. i was like, for fuck's sake, Dad. <laughs> I can't go anywhere with you. I, there's no middle ground. I mean, I you know. But in regards to me getting in or not getting in, I'll tell you why I know you said it, it's not the art. I'll tell you why I wouldn't have gotten in because at the time, not just my res my uh, catalog of work, but I didn't the art classes in our high school and junior high and stuff like that were like a babysitting class yeah so there wasn't a lot of art theory and that there wasn't a lot of intellectual conversations about what art is. So I really didn't have a good grasp of what I was trying to do. I was doing landscapes because my dad did landscapes and I was trying, but I couldn't express, I couldn't use my words to express what I was trying to do. So with that said, with a shitty, with a Mm -hmm. shitty catalog of stuff and really no vocabulary to talk about art, there's just no way that Rizzi would have taken me. I mean, unless they liked, you know, a good looking kid from New York. That was about it.
1: (laughs) Unless you drew a hell of a bicycle there's, there's, that's
0: terrible <laughs> I, I, I don't think i i don't think i i'm, I'm it were was, they, were it they was doing a that big,
1: then I, I had no
0: idea i wasn't yeah. allowed i wasn't even allowed to my dad was like really holding the purse strings in regards <laughs> to where I went to school so I really didn't have, there wasn't a lot of like, I really want to just try, you know, there was just like, he's like, no, I'm I'm not letting you go to art school. He went to Parsons School of Design on the GI Bill after serving World War II. Mm -hmm. And he became a graphic designer and he had a graphic design firm, but he was very, very against me being an artist. Of course, I became an art major. So when your son applied to RISD, what were your thoughts about that, your father was a professor you you decided to stay away from being an artist now your son wants to go to the school that your dad taught at yeah, what was your mindset for what, how did you feel about
1: that? I wanted him to go to RISD so bad I, not just art school he was looking at other schools, but I really wanted him to go to RISD because it had been such a part of the the community, the family, a part of my right. upbringing and um I wanted him to go and when he got in it was, it was a very proud moment that you know I felt like it was kind of like like it or not, it's kind of been the family business. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great moment, and uh, he he uh, graduated two years ago now, three years ago, and uh, he's in Japan now. He's not uh, he's not doing anything related to art, but that's fine. He's teaching English in Japan.
0: That's awesome.
1: He's been there for a couple of years. It's uh, it's going back to what you said uh, earlier. I uh, you and I are kind of on the same, more or less, on the same. You know, I think you're I might be four years ahead of you as far as you know graduating high school, graduating college, and that sort of thing. But I, I remember 1986 or 87, I was looking at the ROTC to pay for my college, and it, I was very close to doing it. Um, and like your father, my father was in World War II, but he was in the Caribbean in World War II, which was a very different gig than probably being in Europe in World War II, they were basically. Going around in in the you know in the crystal clear waters looking for German U boats, which probably there were maybe one for the whole war. I think war. your
0: I think your father had my father was in India. He was in the China Burma India, uh-huh. and he he was playing poker in <laughs> in, in India. With his well, friends. my dad
1: was shooting up Vieques Island. Uh, oh yeah, probably Vegas. target practice.
0: Oh, poor Vieques. For the listeners of the, the Vieques is a for the listeners of the podcast. Vieques is a small island off Puerto Rico, and as a New Yorker, Puerto Rico is a big place to go to in the Caribbean because there's such a huge Puerto Rican community in in, in New York, huge in New York. So Vieques was like this. I mean, it was very controversial because the u.s army was using this beautiful island to you know as target practice yeah so viecas was a uh it was almost like a joke and not a joke i mean the joke was is like where are you going for vacation i'm going to viecas what do you can i might can i be in your will you know it was like that <laughs> kind of thing you know yeah
1: It it is sad we actually um i went to puerto rico uh i went to puerto rico the first time i don't know about Five years ago, I think, and we we went we went to Vieques, but uh, we went to another island. I can't remember the name of it, but it was in that area. And I was so seasick. I, I had never really gotten a lot of seasickness, but I got so seasick on that boat. I just it, finally we got to where we were going, right off this little island, and they told us, "Do not go onto that island. You don't. You can't put your feet on the ground because there's unexploded ordnance from the shelling and the artillery and everything else that they were." The military used it for. And this island was uninhabited, and uh, I was so seasick. I I got in the water to do the snorkeling bit, and I was like, maybe I'll just go over here and stand up for a few minutes. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't dare. I just suffered, and uh, oh, but I was yeah. very tempted. Anyway, I so,
0: digress. So get back and get. Let's just get it because the whole Rizzy thing in in the you know. It's very fascinating to me, but what interests me about your work is, I don't know if you read comic books. I was thinking about your work all week. Your work has, I feel like you're using left brain and right brain at the same time. That must be one of the reasons why your work is so attractive to me. I, you know, for years, i my hot take was, you know, knife, knives aren't art. And it was really like, it was, mm-hmm. imi- it was, it was, love the, that, ex- by the it way. was the, it was the, it was the perfect hot take. Hot take is a you know shallow moralizing. It was from radio. They would say these hot takes <laughs> to get people to call in and get crazy. And boy, did it work. Yeah. And it's also not that controversial. I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about like religion or politics.
1: It's a good one though. It it really you said it, and I've actually thought about it a lot. Probably because you keep you've said it, and it's come up so much. Oh, people um, get mad. Yeah. People get
0: mad. It's great but though. At the same, but it's the thought same provoking. Time, Come on, we got to think about this. It is this thought stuff. provoking. Yeah. but when I but then when I get examples of people whose knives fall into art, and I'm we're talking left brain, right brain, the creative side versus the technical side, the analytical side. Your work falls into sculpture and art at the same and and knife making at the same time. For this reason, you know, a lot of times knife making can be technical you know you can you can learn different things based on what you learn you watch a youtube video the guy shows you how to cut the knife out the guy shows you how to uh to do, cut the bevels in okay let's hand sand it or belt sand it let's put that here do the bolster then when you glue it on then hear, bada a bing bada boom you got a knife mm-hmm. you, know, you can make these very very formulaic knives that are that don't have a lot of whimsy for lack of a better word they don't have a lot of you know, uh spontaneity, they don't have a lot of maybe they'll have some happy accidents, but they won't have these thought out things that are very artistic. But when you look at your knives, the way that you stylize your work, there is so much thought and it seems as though that there is much more sculptural thought to it than 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 not. And it made me think about I don't know if you read ever read comics as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. When I was a kid, my favorite the, the comics that really rung to me was there was an artist, and I'm sure you know him, artist and writer named Frank Miller. Frank Miller was known for the Dark Knight Returns, which was this what changed Batman as a dark character. It was mm-hmm. this, you know, it was he was, you know, the, the artwork was very stylized. And the work was very stylized, but it was because he was a, you know, he was a craftsman and an artist and stuff like that. Frank Miller first really kind of became enormous when he was doing two different comics. He did the first limited edi- limited series of Wolverine, where Wolverine's in, uh, Logan is in uh, uh, Japan and he has to fight the Yakuza. It was a four-issue limited series of the 80s. Yeah. And then he also did a run on Daredevil. Where it was so crazy, it was like his girlfriend Karen, Page, you know, Matt Murdoch's girlfriend Karen Page, gets into heroin and pornography, oh, wow. and to make and to like make ends meet, she needs to get another fix, and she sells Matt Murdoch's uh, name to this low-level drug dealer who ends up selling it to the kingpin, and then the kingpin—that's really crime—ruins his life. It's an it was an incredible story, yeah. but the drawings were very standard comic book drawings and then he started to kind of like go into these stylized he became so popular and he was such a good writer and such a good artist Mm. that they allowed him to kind of do whatever he wanted and then that's how you get Dark Knight Returns experiment right when I look at your work I can't help but think of of frank miller because there is such this stylized quality to your heels and to the shapes and the handles and the 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 materials and there's this it's a stylized quality that is just not something that you can learn from watching a video
1: man um yeah i've tried to think about it because a lot of things you do you're just like well that looks great you know i like the look of that and the sculpture. You know to, to, to re, you know, to back up what you said, the sculptural approach is, is what my main interest is in the shapes, the, the curves, the, all the dimensionality to what I'm, whatever I'm doing. But in this case, the knife making. And, but I, I kind of, um, I always have a theme. I always have a concept when I'm going into it. And sometimes I make something and I come up with a concept afterwards because I like the story. To me, the story is important. The story of how I got to to where I got, but also sometimes even after the fact, I get excited about the story that the work could tell. And people can come up with their own ideas as as people often do. Well, that looks like, you know, as far as like pattern work, because I'm often working with the sculptural aspects in the pattern together and uh, folks come up with ideas of what the pattern looks like. And that's fine. You know, I think that's that's great that that. Um, someone sees something and wants to come up with their own interpretation. But, yeah, always focused on the story and the details, what I can do that's going to make it a little bit different. I, I feel like uh, when it comes to design, it's almost like a language. And, and when I first started making knives, I didn't speak the language. You know, I make, I'd make this thing. I had an idea of what I, what it was supposed to look like, but when I was done with it, I realized that I wasn't expressing myself with the right language. You know, the pieces just weren't in the right places. So over time, and I think this happens naturally over time, I mean, obviously there's technique and you learn that you have to learn the techniques or you won't have a successful piece. It won't stay together. It, it just won't look right. The form, the forms won't flow together if you don't have good technique because you can't mechanically connect the components in such a way that you can later manage the form so for me, it's been like a language. You learn, you, it takes time to learn the language, but once you learn the language, you can start to be more flamboyant and expressive in the language. And that's, that's where I think I'm sitting right now. I feel like that's where I want to be, Where I, I think I'm competent with the language and I feel like now I can express myself a little bit more in areas that aren't critical to function.
0: That's the. That is something that a lot of people don't realize about becoming an artist, becoming a painter, becoming a sculptor, is if you don't have, if you don't have the, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna like change it up on you a little bit. Yeah, if you if you don't have the technical foundation, it's hard for you to explore. It's like my kid's learning the bass now and her teacher is, she, she, she plays, she all night, she'll be up all night long. She'll have uh, her iPhone with a song that she's playing. She's written down the line and she's playing alongside the song, but her teacher wants her to learn the, learn the, the scales. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can do this, but you need to practice your scales because you need to, the, that technical ability. The technical ability is, is so that's part of your. I don't know which brain is the the right brain or the left I think brain. The that's creative the right brain. Thing.
1: Oh no, I'm sorry, the left, like you, left brain.
0: You're so you 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 kind of straddle both fences because because of the the elaborate the elaborate nature the 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 way you push boundaries with your pattern welding, the way you push the boundaries with your pattern welding is like terrifying, because when I say terrifying. I mean it like. I can just see things going bad for if I were to do that, things going bad real quick. And the fact that you're able to kind of have these technical, the technical proficiency plus this dramatic, I like that you said flamboyant, but like, Mm -hmm. I think that most people when they hear flamboyant, (laughs) they they, they see that more like the word tacky as opposed to just kind of like whimsical. I think that, I think that it's dramatic. It's exciting. It's not the norm. Without the technical ability, you you can't get to where you want to be, and what, where you are is just it's just always fun.
1: It, it's uh, yeah, you're you're right about the word flamboyant. Flamboyant is kind of like unnecessary. It's some, you know, sometimes. I love it,
0: <laughs> but most people don't. Most people when they hear flamboyant, they say they think that's like a negative word. <laughs> it's you it's know?
1: it's a uh, it's unnecessary, or I mean, all embellishment is unnecessary. So. But it's not, you know, or extravagant, I guess.
0: But it's like when I see, like, your work has become. I I feel like you've you've learned all the 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 basic technical stuff, and now you can fly. Yeah, and you I, see it with
1: your work. I mean, I got. I, there's still more to learn as far as technical things, and I, I'm looking. I'm not saying no to that learning. Uh, and sometimes you come up with a new technique, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm I'm not being so supervised by anyone. You know, no one's saying, "Well, that's improper." It, I feel like if I if I have a challenge, sometimes the challenges are unique because what I'm doing is is so unorthodox that there is no technique to to get it done. So I have to come up with something, and I think that's part of a lot of people's journey is they have to come up with solutions, which can be incredibly frustrating too, uh, especially if the solution finding the solution is costly and, and is full of you know things that you can't use. Uh, especially when you're trying to make money at it. So, yeah, yeah, there's there's an element of risk in a lot of the experimentation I do. But I, of course, I always think it's going to work. You know, I go into these things. I'm like, oh, this will work. And then I'm halfway through it and it's not working or it's a complete failure. And then I'm really sort of in that really bad space where like I'm like, this is this is just I'll just throw this away tomorrow or something and of course the new day comes and i have renewed ideas and vigor and i want to rescue it and i want to take that mistake and try to turn it into something and you know get get something out of it and learn a lesson in it and try to still produce something from it so i come back with enthusiasm again and that's kind of the cycle and it's rough it can be rough when you're trying new you- things constantly
0: on your website, you even say, like, here's how it's, here's how I design things. I design them, and then there might be changes along the way. Yeah. That, I'm there's, open to spontan- that. there's moments of spontaneity that is, can be the most fun part of that kind of voyage. I think that, but it's hard to, it's hard to allow yourself to say, it's okay if I make a change you know, because yeah. you're, you start out with these very complex, you're, these complex drawings. Like, I, I just want to talk, I'm going to, if you, if you want to follow along, go follow Prince Works Forge on Instagram. And you had one piece I really want to talk about, um, which I think the name is sun. And then there's an arrow and Neptune. I'm not a hundred percent sure yeah. if that's the name or not. I tried to do but the, the, whole, base, the
1: whole, it was called the you are here what i call you it. are here yeah, you are here See, that's the other
0: thing that you do is that when you title your work you title your work also very much along the lines of what is how a sculptor or an artist would title their work which i love i don't think people realize that titles are extraordinarily important to a piece yeah because it it's it's almost as important if not it's not you're setting the tone untitled no good Untitled is never good. I, I hate Untitled. You
1: should tell the story. There's a story behind you making it. There's no reason to leave it to the unknown. You can suggest it. Somebody can have a difference of opinion about it, even though th- you made it. but, but like I said, I, I'm fine with that. But I think telling the story is important. And that's your opportunity.
0: So to describe the knife to the listener, you are here, Sun to Neptune. Sun, how do you you are here? It's just the name you are here?
1: Yeah, you are here. It's just the planets in in, in In order, sort of in relative scale,
0: as best as I could muster. It's an integral chef knife with the steel is forge welded um, with its forge. It's Damascus, and there are these circular discs forge welded inside the pattern. So it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine planets in alignment, kind of like. It's almost like rocks in a river where the pattern of the of the Damascus is almost like water that's flowing around these um, rocks, but it's definitely very planetary. And when I look at it, all I can think of is this is the high wire act of high wire acts in terms <laughs> of the construction of this knife, because it's an integral knife, it also has this beautiful handle. The handles subdued, but not too subdued in in shape because there's so much going on with this blade. Can you tell me a little bit about this blade? This thing is ridiculous <laughs> that
1: was quite a high high wire act and it it was sort of inspired by a blacksmithing technique that is pretty common, which is the the um a drifting uh in com- in combination with a welding technique which is which is the plug weld so I had an idea that I wanted to do i I'm always kind of dreaming about, you know, celestial themes and space and time, and I think it's kind of a passion for a lot of people because these these ideas are out there and they just are so mind-boggling that. And it was my attempt to sort of represent that in a way on this blade. So I came up with the idea that there were these gravitational waves, which are the lines, and then I, I could, if I could drift, if I could drift these planets in, it would give that movement. To those lines where they would wrap and represent sort of like the, the, the distortion. The, um, I know this is probably pretty far
0: out. For, no, 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 <laughs> no. no, no, no. Keep going. Listening. You're doing great. No, <laughs> like, I love it. I, I'm the listener. If you're listening to this right now, you should stop and get this picture of you are here on your phone while he's talking <laughs> because you can see it. You need to see it. And it started with it a drawing. Is, Right. I, I, yeah. Yes. So I, keep going. So the gravitational waves.
1: Yeah. So the so the planets with their gra- with their gravity is 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 pretty well known. There's a distortion in time and space that occurs around that around that mass. And I wanted to represent that. So the idea was to drift to to uh, to to make a. You know, to open it up with a small hole, like a quarter inch, and then drift it open to the, whatever size I needed. And I had already made all the the Damascus for the. Um, some of them are jelly rolls that I rolled up, which is which are already round, and some of them are, are four way welds and different types of welds that I uh, worked into round, either hot or ground them round. So I knew the sizes, and then I had the drifts that I could drift to the just about that size, so that I could get the plug in. So each planet is a is a sort of a medallion. Um, cut from a larger stock that I could put into that into the respective space sort of tack it in place and then go through the process of um, you know with some thickness left in the blade good quarter inch plus and the plugs a little bit a little bit prouder than that I could get all those welded up um, solid into the blade and then complete the forging and complete the grinding. So and, uh, you,
0: when you built it, you only really built it for – you built enough of this material for one Just blade. one.
1: I actually made two, but the other one had problems, and I I have it. But it had major problems with the, with where the plugs ended up on one of them and the material. I, the the, the uh, material had – I had some failures with the first one. So I always do two. I do everything in two, especially if I'm going to do something I've never done. Two or three. I always do it in multiples because I I am determined to have success. And I know if I get through one, don't have success, I'm not likely to go back to it. And I've done enough of these to know that something could happen, especially if it's as, as odd as this. So I, I set myself up to do several and I have stock to do more. I stopped at two uh, with one failure, and one success.
0: But The next piece the, I want to... Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, Keep going.
1: The technique is there for me. Now I've proven the technique. I can use it at my disposal in the future if I want to come up with something similar. So even though there was failure, there's still some value in that failure because I have now the technique, which I would have never had if I didn't have... A, I had the confidence. There's no reason for me to have had the confidence that this would work. I just have it in my head that this is a good plan. I drew it. I have an idea of how to get this stuff to stick together and how to make these holes and drift in this pattern. These things should happen. And I have the confidence to go and try it. But like I said before, you know, there's definitely stages where, you know, as makers, we feel like this is a bad idea and this is not working at all. And, you know, you may or may not rally and recover from that. I usually do, but sometimes I don't.
0: The one thing about this particular knife that sets it off more as being sculpture than a knife is in the steel itself you have created these contrasts between these flowing lines that go around these planets i'm gonna call them planets mm-hmm. these coin or the coins and it seems so appropriate because it's hard to like design i would i don't do a lot of damascus i see a lot but i don't do a lot it's hard to make a theme it's hard to make a theme in pattern welded steel. Obviously, friends of ours like John, uh Steve Schwarzer mm-hmm. is being is able to kind of create these landscapes. You see other guys like uh, uh Jason Morrissey making these kind of landscapes. Yeah. There's almost he's Love making it. stuff that's almost like a picket fence yeah. and he's created these like I mean, still lives. It's hard to see have a design in 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 pattern welded, you know, Damascus where you're actually seeing a, a conscious decision to make a, a like a landscape. Yeah. I mean, this is like a landscape because, I mean, okay, you got pattern, you got rain, and I'm not being dismissive about, you know, um, about Damascus in general, mm-hmm. but it's hard to be a lyrical, yeah. lyrical is the right word, yeah. lyrical and making lyrical decisions like this.
1: It's very challenging because it can come off um, tacky. Kitschy, right? And that's the the danger, in um, that I find, in w- when I'm trying to come up with a concept, I d- I don't want it to be too literal. I don't want it to be exactly the thing I'm trying to represent.
0: But this because that wouldn't be this interesting. Per- this particular knife, this particular Damascus, isn't just a design like or a uh, pattern. You know, like a lot of times you say raindrop or ladder pattern mm-hmm. in your mind, you know, this is like. This is like a, like a, I hate to say a poem, but it is like, it is a short, is a short series of sentences that like has a connection to, What's happening? And I know everyone's just like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" That's <laughs> some, Would you eye, calm r- some down? eye rolling. Some eye rolling, but it's some eye rolling. Fine, <laughs> that's fine. eye rolling is perfectly fine. Find your own podcast. I tune in for.
1: Your... I, I tune in just to roll my eyes. Listen. Oh, you
0: should. Well, that's why I have the cameras off, so I don't see you rolling your eyes. It all works out fine. But it. But it, that's the thing about your work that separates your out. yourself out for me in terms of being a sculptor. Is you have like this very very. It's not just like a pattern. It's very very thoughtful in terms of I want to create this landscape or I want to create this this um, this tuning of 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 of, of, a, of a of a of a song, but it's more you're telling a story which is it's just very hard. It's it's I hard because get... you
1: can be really heavy-handed with it and go too too far. It, you know if if somebody said oh you know if some company called me and said hey we saw that knife you made you know we have this machine where you can just print that. Or you could do it more, it could be more realistic. The planets would be more round and you could do Saturn with a ring. You know, I would, I wouldn't be interested. Right. Because I'm interested well, the- in, in the, in the difficulty of it. And the, the, the idea of working with these incredibly difficult, I don't know why it just is, you know, it's like why, before I was doing this, I, I worked with, I carved stone, it was like the most impossible thing, the difficult thing you can't add to it. You know, you can only and it's you're wailing away on this thing, and it's uh, unyielding. But it's the challenge of trying to extract something from from these difficult materials. I think that, and that success, that reward that you do get.
0: Here's a tough but, question. You said the word heavy-handed. Do you think that that knife is heavy-handed?
1: I think I stopped. Not before. physically. Not fi- yeah. I'm
0: not talking physically. I'm talking about like the the conception of it all.
1: I think if I just put it. I think if I just put it out there, I don't know that the concept. I think it was received, and I think a lot of folks knew exactly what I was trying to do with that, but not 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 entirely. I think it could be looked at as just an interesting graphic design. Hmm. It it could be, yeah. It could be on its way to being heavy handed, because it's it's in, it's in between very literal. You know, um, people have an idea of of. Planetary alignment and the relative sizes. I think it's pretty obvious, but it's not exact. It's not an effort to no. be exact. It's a su- well,
0: suggestion. You also didn't make the rings of Saturn. They don't have, I mean, they have, they've, this, they, they symbolize planets as yeah, opposed to actually that's looking right. like planets. Yeah. I, mean, it's a- I used, uh, I,
1: I think I used wrought iron for the Earth. So, I had some, there's some other little things in there I added the uh, moon. I used a, a, a nickel for the moon inserted within the earth. And I did the eye of Jupiter. So that was getting on. I was getting on my way to being heavy handed with some of it, <laughs> for sure. Sometimes you get caught up in an idea and you and you go too far and that's fine.
0: In terms of names, one of the best names that, of one of your knives and one of my favorite knives of yours is called Cube Shibuti Chocolate Chunk Ripple. <laughs> So, listeners of the podcast, go to Cubed Shibuti Chocolate Chunk Ripple. This knife is just like there. There's a quality to the pattern welding that does remind me. and Don't take this as an insult. It does remind me of the of the background of Cubert, yeah, the, the video game of my youth that I used to love. <laughs> but there is this. It's this. Tell me what you think. Tell me more about this knife to you. Because the shape is different than um, you are here. This is much more, uh, it's got a lot more, it's got a lot more um, dramatic lines. Yeah. I'm going to let you talk. You talk about
1: it. Yeah, that one's got a lot more flair. So the, the pattern was, was was based on the pattern of a, of a cube done in, done with graphics where you have this illusion of depth. You create, and it's from right. woodworking technique. The parquet, I think it's done in glass, and it's done in ceramics. Probably it's done it's done in graphically just on paper, where you you draw this rhombus. But when you put the internal lines, it gives you the illusion of depth, like a cube that could in, could be um, invert or uh, what's the word? It, it could look like it has depth or come out of the page, depending on right yeah you know, your perception, and that changes right. So that was the idea, but it, there was it was heavily distorted, which honestly. Again, if I could execute perfect cubes <clears throat> onto a knife and manage the the forging and everything, I would be m- myself. I would be thoroughly bored with the outcome. So I got such a heavy distortion, and I did a lot of things to change it up so that it wouldn't be just a regular pattern of repeating structures. And and I kind of I don't know what I was thinking with the cube Shibuti. I think I was thinking when I when I break chocolate, I get a lot of strange visual references from different places that cross over. I I just was thinking like chocolate you know, chunks where you break them and ice cream and this was somehow like a dessert.
0: Might I suggest that if they were perfect cubes, undistorted, the name wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked, yeah. There's like this, there's a, there's a now, when I said Cubert, now I don't feel as, <laughs> as bad about saying it no. because that is the background of Kubert. It is was the beginning stages of creating this three dimensional texture on a video screen where Kubert had to jump from you know shelf to shelf, and he had that style of that that three uh, sided square. When yeah. I say three sided for the visual; you only need to see the left side, the right side, and the top at an angle. And then you get that and you have those things here. But when everything's kind of smushed and pulled and stretched and stuff like yeah. that, it makes it – it takes it away from being this geometric pattern and it turns it into this flowing – I get the name. It, I, <laughs> it didn't dawn on me that it was like a kind of an ice cream flavor like a Ben and Jerry's. That must yeah, be I was thinking like Rocky Road in,
1: somewhere. It was it was Rocky Road and the white and the black and the stripes uh somehow was giving me candy cane vibes and, you know. And I just was like, well, let me have some fun with this. And I'll just, this is the name.
0: And- well, I can see the fun because you, like I said, in regards to, know, you have, to, when you're, when you're, if you're, if, if you're not a knife maker and you know what the hell we're talking <laughs> about, there's, you can make the Damascus, but then when you forge it out, it completely changes because, well, based on what you're, whatever you're doing, you've your designs because you know with a lot of Damascus like you look at guys like Salem Straub you guys look like you look at let's just take Salem Straub for example he's great He, he unbelievable what a guy and he listens to the podcast he was awesome on the podcast he's just a great guy really really I mean just like top of the food chain when you look at his work I feel like he doesn't have the ability to make these let's pull this thing down another half an inch Let's let's pull the, Let's make this so the 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 pattern, the pattern melts a little bit. Mm. I don't think it makes it. It's almost like I'm not saying stifled, but he's very very. He is on board from beginning to end. Exactly he's, what he wants. He which is he,
1: extremely disciplined, I think. And I'm yeah.
0: I'm no, not for sure.
1: I I will admit I'm not disciplined, and I'm not focused on perfection. Uh, I'm not suggesting that Salem is Salem's doing what he does, and I love it. And I can't do it. I couldn't do it. Right. You know. Um but I think he's very disciplined in what he does and I am definitely not extraordinarily but, disciplined. I'm disciplined in that I'll do I'll put the work in. But if it if it diverges
0: from where I wanted it's not really a problem for me. See, that's the thing. The discipline comes from you're disciplined. Trust me. I mean, you're able to like spend the time to make these pattern welds so there's no delamination and it all works out and there's not fooling around and there's not problems and the discipline's there. You're just allowing the thing to become a thing. It's it's almost as... The crazy part is is that you look at this knife and you look at the last knife. The amount of time spent making these patterns is mind-numbingly big. You know, making the tiles... You know, changing them again, and and like it just seems as though there's an extraordinary amount of patience and execution to get this pattern. And then when it comes to making the knife, you just like get like jazz. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you get like you allow it. You just be like, okay, I've done the the hard structural stuff. Now it's time to like smush it a little bit longer. Yeah. And when I say smush, I mean it. Like I feel like some of the words that when you're describing your work is. They're much more like smooth. It's you smushed it out. You smushed the design a little bit. It's true. And it's definitely there's more of a spontaneity to the work. And some of the which... shape
1: is, uh, suggests the forging as well. Right. So you know, I can you know if with more time, I could do some things and I could change that shape. But I I still think like I was saying earlier, I still think I'm within the realm of what, um, what the language allows, um, for design. And some of, the, some of the shapes of the profiles are definitely related to the forging as well as the bolster transition, transitions as well. I'm not necessarily trying to establish a consistent position or shape um, or regularity at the transition or the bolster area of the knife or even I'm, – I'm definitely going for a size and a, a heel – I like the heel. I focus on the heel height and the length of the knife and then everything else as far as the profile is concerned. If I don't like it, I can always grind it, but I usually like to retain some of the forged shape because that's the natural shape. That's what happened. You know, that's... I was in control of it, but not over, Not trying to absolutely control it, which, I, you know, we can do. With, with patience and time, you can just about absolutely control... Certain things during the forging.
0: With that said, yeah. your style stays the same. Now, everybody, get the next slide. <laughs> get ready, get ready for the next slide. This feels like I a, want to
1: talk,
0: <laughs> this, this reminds is, me of well, some listen, of the slide
1: presentations I sat. Through your old RISD.
0: man would have been happy. Yeah. Your old man would have been happy that someone's talking about your work like an artist. <laughs> you can go to RISD, I Like it, but I can your, hear, your the, I can hear the slide like, caddy okay, changing. <laughs> that you're changing the slide caddy. Okay, everyone, go to. Uh, Lanikea dark matter. Oh, Lanai, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh,
1: Lanikea. It's a it's a Hawaiian Laniakea. word. So
0: Lanikea yeah. dark matter is a integral bolstered knife that has what I would say, and I might be wrong. It looks like a feathered Damascus pattern. It is. Okay. It is. This piece is one of those things that you. It's very. The shapes are very similar. One of the things that you do when you're forging the bolster out is I know that you're offsetting the bolster a little bit from the spine of the knife up a little bit. Yeah. All your knives have this slight offset quality to it. That is almost part of the signature of your work. As long as the bolster isn't, uh, if the the bolster is, is long. Yeah. I love that you do that. And I also know that you pull those heels out, you know, kind of, Back towards the handle. I love the he- I love dragging little- the heel
1: down. That's that's been an early lesson from uh, from Mareco first, and then um, I'm inspired hugely inspired by a lot of makers. But Nick Angier, who's, uh, whose name I've learned to pronounce, is big. He's he's big with the heels. I know, and I love his his work. So those are two that I've uh, learned early from, and so I always focus on that and the isolating of the bolster early on isolating the, that material and bringing the heel down.
0: So this piece, Lani Ikea, I'm not saying it right. What is I don't it? know how, how to say,
1: say it. it. Lani, Lani Ikea, but it's a Hawaiian Ikea, word, so I, I don't matter. know the exact pronunciation of it,
0: to be honest. Be, now, transitioning from Shibuti, I don't remember the name 100%, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, last Chocolate one. Chocolate chunk. This, this, this one, Lani Ikea, because it's a feather pattern, Damascus, you really don't have a lot of room for... Let's do a little bit more smush, because you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create that feather pattern to be in the middle of yes. the knife. yeah. That is... A, it. All three of the knives we have looked at are, having, are different ways that you're lyrically using the pattern to establish the story that you're telling with the knife itself. Tell us a little bit about what you were thinking about with Laniakea Dark Matter.
1: Yeah, so that one I had the concept from from the drawing. So I drew this, and this doesn't always happen. I don't always sit down and draw the entire concept through. But in this case, I did. I, draw, I drew the entire process sketch. I drew the entire knife as I would finish it with the pattern included as best as I could estimate what it was what was going to happen in the forging. And I also drew the process to make it. So what that, what these are, are W's, which I made the W's layers first, which are the crushed W's or C's where you, where you take the pattern and crush it vertically so that the sides bow out and the center sort of stays vertical more or less. Sometimes it'll skew. I stacked those up and got them even finer with another round of uh, forging. And then I had uh, a spiral design that I reserved for the purpose, um, which was a jelly roll. Weld, and they were spheric. They were uh, cylindrical, and I put the, I stacked up the W's, and then I put in, um. Uh, put in the uh this the spheres, for the which I intended to be like galaxy swirls. So the whole idea with Laniakea is it's the galaxy supercluster that the Milky Way is part of, which is this incredible segment of our universe that contains. I don't know how many millions of galaxies, but it looks like a wisp of, it almost like looks like a wisp of smoke that's suspended in, in the darkness. So that was the idea of having this sort of go. wispy structure within this darker surrounding. Um, And I, I kind of skipped over some of the setup for the W's, but the, the dark was on the outside. So I had to plan a lot to get this to come out the way it, it came out and I'm I'm not completely without discipline. <laughs> it just depends. In this case, I actually had really planned it out meticulously, and a lot did happen. I mean, I, yeah, with the four, and- you
0: can tell because I mean I I mean I'm making the assumption that you made two because I think that one of them there two of them are two of them are a little bit different. I did make two, um, yeah. And it's just it's just the, the I love the fact that you're using these different disciplines. And you're able to tell different stories, but they're also, they're just not like, all right, I'm just doing a feathered Damascus pattern. And you explain it in a way that's just like, this is what I was going for. It's It seems much more, it seems much more like you're a scientist artist. Like th- that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you're with, when you're talking about what you're looking for, to do with paint, if you're a painter mm-hmm. and you're saying, I'm going to do this landscape and I want to, or I have a good, my buddy, Andy B., I dragged him down to uh, the—we were doing an art show, and I had this idea for him. He did a lot of building paintings with graffiti on them. Mm -hmm. He's the best building painter. He's the best landscape guy, urban landscape guy, but he's very good at also capturing graffiti. So I dragged him down to the Major Deegan and made him paint this building that I love that has this uh, graffiti on it. He's able to tell this. So, so hmm. we came up with the idea, but it'd be, there wasn't a whole lot of like, "All right, here's what I want to do, and here's how I'm going to do." Does he it.
1: integrate the, the graffiti into the into the work? Yes. Oh wow! And he's very
0: good at it. He's very good at integrating <laughs> somebody else's graffiti. But you know, to to me, graffiti is also more about time. Like, if you look at old, uh, I mean, I'm I'm digressing. I'm going to bring us back in a second. If you look at Uh, if you look at what I, the graffiti I used to hate as a kid was Will Prince's videos. Will, uh, Will Smith's videos, the Fresh Prince videos. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's very clear that somebody got three colors of Krylon and then they just whipped up all the stuff. Real beautiful graffiti is when one guy goes on top of another guy and then there's time has passed. You see the, you see the idea of one guy tags on top of another guy, and then another guy comes on and tags on another guy. And then you're creating this, you're creating this, the idea of time, yeah. you're establishing time as opposed to just, you know, vandalism. You're, you're establishing the sense of like one guy and then another guy and another guy. And it's writing on top of each other and you're creating, that's the vocabulary, the real vocabulary is all of it together. When you're doing a painting and you have this idea in mind, you say, okay, I'm going to paint this. But when you're doing the stuff that you're doing, like Line e, Akea, Dark Matter, you have the idea, but there's so much peril involved. Like, there's not a lot of going back. You know, that's the thing about your work that is so exciting, especially this. Uh, we are here. This is here. What was it? You, you are here. You are here. There's the idea, and then there's all right, it's peril time to the end.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, like I said, K yeah. is like you don't have a lot of room for you don't have a lot of room to play either. No, because and you have to make sure that that wisp, that smoky. Because I could told, when you said that that smoky wisp, um, in the middle of the black. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's the smoky wisp in the middle of the black. Yeah,
1: it had to be that way, and um, that was experimental as well. I had never done. I had shaped so I took take the hot, take the hot material and um, press it using the hydraulic press, press it around the cold. And then you have to disassemble. Everything is sort of temporarily tacked into position and I insert the cold as in room temperature steel and then um uh, press around it. Sort of like the way you the way you create the feather itself. Later on I do create the feather, but I had to press those in, press the rounds into the blocks. I don't know if this is gonna like make sense verbally to what people are might be seeing, but I, w- I wanted to have these swirls within the pattern, which you can just make out. They ended up getting quite skewed, but again, uh, you know, based on perspective, I thought that would be nice too. Because a galaxy, depending on which angle you're viewing at, is going to be flat or skewed or any any imaginable configuration. So yeah, it was high risk. It was all experimental, and uh, I had the idea that it should work based on you know once you know the material well enough. I think you you can pretty you can take, you know, t- you can take some risks and have an expectation of, of success. Some things hmm. are outside of your control or happen that are unexpected. Um, which I'm used to. I'm kind of like uh, to make a r- real old reference. I'm like a Clouseau. You know, and, where are you, Kato?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting for Cato to jump. <laughs> for you waiting from jump out and attack you. Kick
1: me in the side of the neck with a you know some kind of completely unexpected, you know, welding problem.
0: Well, this, this brings me to something that, um, like I said, when, especially now that I've actually heard you speak about your work, which has, and the background of, you know, the background of you having this, you know, I mean, not many people get a chance to have a professor from RISD as their father. You have just the like, access, you,
1: you know, just the access. You to, have the access. Yeah. And I was, and we you were brought are, to so many openings and galleries, and, you know, mostly it was mischief for us, but somehow, you know, you're there. And that's your world. It's just a strange world. It's,
0: a, it, yeah, no, but I, I had something similar in the sense that my sisters and I all speak the same language because yeah. they're all artists too. And you do have something that's like, it's part it's part of your culture, yes. your, your familial culture yeah. because you're you just you're used to it. Like you you're used to having this kind of this having this ability to you know see things and talk about them. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the question. I know that you're friendly. I'm gonna say friendly, mm-hmm. friendly with Jesse James. Yeah, Jesse James said something to me, said something, not to me, my bad. I never spoke to Jesse James. Jesse said something on he was on the blacksmith's pub a f- number of years ago. And if you want to listen to a great interview about Jesse James, go to the blacksmith's pub and pick up the Jesse James interview because Rick and uh, Jesse Savage did a great job with him. They did. One of the things I picked up for, and it was a long form. They talked about welding and blacksmithing in his time with Uri They talked about everything. One of the things that he said that really spoke to me, and I'm just interested in it's kind of dissimilar to uh I can only imagine what your relationship with him was like. He was talking about craft and the how we do, devalue craft, and that what he's trying to do is really trying to push people towards craft, learning how to weld, learning how to do this, working on cars, working mm-hmm. the, the value of craft and not you know necessarily art like I don't i he it took him a long time to get comfortable it seems with guys like he did some work with albert uh alfred hale uh haley haley what was his name Uh, you know that sculptor he did oh yeah
1: yeah he's done a i think they did something together or paley paley
0: alfred paley albert paley albert paley Mm -hmm. Paley. so he's very craft oriented and i think that he's very less likely to be interested in you know sculpture and painting and in art
1: he has a public persona though you know and then he's you know i I don't know him that well, but I just know that everybody is like this they have a certain public persona and then they're they're if you meet them in different circumstances so I think he's actually got a lot he's had a lot of access to a lot of things in in the art world with pretty huh. high level people how did
0: you how did you end up meeting him he
1: uh he actually uh he was on that podcast he had said he he had found me on instagram i think. And um, sent me a comment or something. We went back and forth. And then he had saw that I was in Rhode Island. And he at the time had a house in Rhode Island in uh, Newport. So he reached out. He said, Oh, you know, it was casual. He was like, Oh, the next time I'm in Rhode Island, I'll, you know, I'll stop by. I'm like, Okay, sure. I was like, yeah, Absolutely. Come on by. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll work on something. You know, kind of like not really expecting him to, to do it. And then like six months later, he says, uh, I think it was a, The middle of the week he says what are you are you around friday because i had given him my cell phone or maybe it was through instagram i can't remember he says are you around friday i'm like yeah i got work until about three and then i should be should be back home and that's how we met he came he actually came to the came to the house i think he expected to spend a little bit of time but he ended up spending the whole afternoon oh really did you guys work no i that's my that's my go-to it's like if you want to come to, to visit me, we're going to go work because otherwise, I don't know what to do with myself or you. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. We're going to go so, work because that's common ground. I mean, I could come out, I can light the forge, and I could, and I end up working three times as hard as I would if I were by myself. But no, we didn't work. We just uh, we just talked about really. I you know I had all these because I grew up watching Jesse James on TV, like a lot of people now and a lot of people my generation. Um, monster garage and everything and he had a show before that um, i don't remember the night title of the show but it was basically west coast choppers and in his business right. and family and everything so you know i had all these things i wanted to say but once he was here i forgot all, all about it and we just kind of talked about really just knife making and machinery and blacksmithing and craft and uh yeah. he left me with uh um a, you know something that i would I Might Enjoy, which was a documentary that was really just an incredible documentary about craft. Um, uh, What what was... It it was actually pipe making, which I had no interest in, making pipes. I had no knowledge of, no interest in, but he... You mean like smoking pipes? Yeah, smoking pipes. It was called Father of the Flame. And it's a documentary. It's, um, it's I think it's on YouTube the trailer or you can rent it through YouTube or you can, you know, wherever you watch your stuff. And, uh, it just really spoke to craft. So that concept of, as I, as I mentioned, it's like, it kind of is the family business, even though I tried to avoid it, it's turned into the family business. It was something my mm-hmm. father did and it's something I did and now my son is doing. And it really speaks to that general generational concept of that. We used to really practice. It's a little bit lost in the sense that, Children don't do what their parents do, but there's still some connection. Yeah. You know, even though, you know, I didn't, my father was an artist and I didn't pursue art um, in any academic form. I had had no formal, you know, formal instruction other than, you know, my father's critiques or my mother's critiques. But, um, uh, you know, I, I took a totally different path. I went and studied economics and Spanish language and... And that, and got a job in you know with a corporation, but that piece of me, that continuity, ha- has spanned me, even though I didn't pursue it, and spanned to my son. And now my the most active part of my life is the creative side, which I bring Do to everything d- I can possibly bring it to, even into business.
0: I can totally understand having a job that's the complete opposite of what you grew up seeing. Mm. I can understand that. And I also can understand the idea of keeping that creative process down to a love as opposed to, um, I need to pay the bills with this. I can understand you kind of almost coveting the idea of being an artist and refusing to allow it to be an important part of your um, career. Yeah, it was a real because... struggle at
1: one point, especially when Why I was do you young. Say that? Like the decision of what what should I be pursuing from a practical standpoint. I had to make a decision because I knew I wanted to go to college, but was I really going to go to RISD? You know, does that make any sense? You know, at at uh, you know, I think I I went to college at seventeen, still because uh, I was born late in the year and, and uh, went into school, you know, right away. So I was, like, really young, and I was uh, facing these ideas of what should I be doing? You know, what should I really be pursuing? But it turns out you can kind of have your cake and eat it, too. Um,
0: you can have your cake and eat it, too, but but you're not – you're allowing yourself to keep the love of creating without it being um, – yeah, that's the hard part about being a working sculptor. Mm. I'm not talking about a knife maker. I'm talking about a sculptor yeah. is – When you take on commissions, I once took on some commissions. When I was starting out, I was like, I am going to do whatever it takes to make money making art, making Mm -hmm. sculpture. To the point where I ended up doing sculptural portraits of a woman's dogs. (laughs) I had to make, um, this woman had these dogs that she loved, and she wanted these kind of abstract (laughs) uh, sculptures of her dogs. Grief. And I was like, fuck, yes, <laughs> I will do your goddamn dogs. Before it would have been like, I'm not doing portraits of people's dogs. She had me. She's like, I'll pay you whatever you want. I, she ended up actually, she, before she I did the dogs, she loved pelicans. And she wanted a, a steel pelican, a small one that she could put on it. I was like, I'll make a pelican. So I was making little, I made this little pelican. And the base was a cutoff piece of uh, I-beam. No problem. Next thing you know, yeah. she loves it, loves it, loves it. She goes, I need you to do portraits of my dogs. And I was like, <laughs> no problem. And they were tiny. <laughs> we're talking like the, the dog itself wasn't like, you know, it was like a six by six, four by four piece of, you know, like different it, steel Well, It's a together. very
1: relatable experience. I mean, you you have to do it, right?
0: Oh, Did you love well, it? Because I Well, because I wanted to make money doing what I love. Yeah. I didn't give a shit if it wasn't my artistic and then she made me come up she's like I need you to see these dogs <laughs> and this is like we're talking to we're talking 1998 1997 98 I graduated 96 I was hustling 96 and 97 I was like in I'll take I'll out anything I can do to make money welding I'll do it so I get on the train I go to this woman's estate she picks me up at the train station or I might have driven I might have driven and then I had to observe these dogs and I took pictures of the dogs and I played with the dogs. And in my mind, I'm just That's like business. I, don't really need, yeah. I don't need any of this shit. I just need <laughs> I know just give me the breed and I'll figure it out. You know, I just get a picture of whatever the breed is. I'm like, oh yes, I I and I'm like totally like, oh yes, I I understand qual- I will trans I will transmit the characteristics of this of this (laughs) dog into this little tiny piece of steel no problem in my mind i'm just like just just get the deposit just get the you you got good good business
1: sense right there
0: well i mean it was like whatever tick took and i made the goddamn dogs i just ended up you know after taking all the pictures and stuff like that i just found you know i went i got a book on like whatever (laughs) dog it was a It was a shaggy dog. And I was just like, I ah, just make the, all right, that looks like an ear. All right, that, that's, that's well, a leg right there. We and got, there's uh, a little bit of fur. There. I give him a little fur right there. And, all right, you don't have to put the eyes <laughs> in. And that, 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 you Perfect. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you captured the dogs perfectly. And I'm like, I know. I, I net the dogs and I transmitted their, their souls. dogs into steel. Their souls are in yeah, the steel. 100%. Absolutely. But the fact is, is was like, I was willing. I feel like because you have a, uh, like, I'm using a, the expression real job. Pardon me, by the way, I did burp a couple of beats ago. <laughs> Corporate that dog, job. That dog story made me burp a little bit. He's like, um, you, I'm that guy pointing to, that plastic
1: finger at Jimi Hendrix.
0: That's right. <laughs> so you're able to, you're able to preserve your artistic ability. Cause I don't think you take commissions. I don't. I have. Though. You have, but you don't really.
1: I don't really know.
0: You're able to put your work. You're able to make, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a couple knives based on airplanes. <laughs> and you have these, you know, you have these airplane, you know, it, yeah. y- you have this freedom to be as as creative as you want without having the ability to be like I got to like make I got to make me uh, you know, I got to make me some serrated knives here because people need to cut their bread. I am, so I can make some I will bread. say
1: that I that's true what you're saying. It's definitely true. It's accurate it represents the way I'm running it although I'm trying to be business minded about it, even though I'm not taking orders. I, when I do conduct business, I try to be you know, very professional about it. And the presentation of the work when I'm done, the packaging, you know, not to the extent where I'm manufacturing packaging, but I take some care and I try to put in some extras, things that are complementary to the knife. I'm, I've developed a coin uh, that I'm going to be offering. I've developed, you know, which, you know, that's, it's a silver coin, though, so it's really cool. It's a uh, troy ounce of silver. And I, uh, you know, I do a sort of a write-up about it, you know. I'm trying to make it, give people that sort of iPhone experience that you, you know, yeah. as best I can. But I would be I have very interested in coins. production. But oh, you would if be. I do it, I don't want to be the one producing it, which, you know, who wouldn't? You know, I, I would be interested in that sort of concept. You know, from a business standpoint, I would, I would love to exploit a business opportunity uh, and do it seriously. But you know i don't know if that'll ever come to pass
0: well reach... that brings me to the next thing which is the if i look at in this obviously instagram isn't like a truer representation of the person that you are but when i look at your latest work it's a bit of a departure in terms of i'm going to use the word subdued only because they seem a little bit less you use the word flamboyant <laughs> before so i'm going to just use that again. Yeah. They seem a little bit closer to it's almost as if you're just dialing back some of the um dramatic qualities that is like what people know about your work.
1: Yeah, i would agree. It's uh they're definitely they're less concept driven and they're more form just forms and shapes that i'm exploring in both in handle and, and blade and less less storytelling on those. Um, so you're absolutely, that's accurate. And the steel is, uh, in, in those, the most recent stuff has been in, in, uh, steel, which I really enjoyed working with, which is a stainless.
0: uh, And now that you're involved with, you're also one of the, you're one of the steeds at, uh, eating tools. Yes. (laughs) Dude, Abe has got like, Abe has got some He's some amazing. Heat in the, he's got some heat in the he does. Yeah, it's he, been it's been Abe like Abe has got heat Yeah, I've been
1: like, oh, man, that would be great to get, you know, to get connected through through Abe and I, I finally heard from him. Cause you know, it's not you don't ask. I don't know. Maybe you do ask. Maybe I should have asked, but I didn't. I was like, it'd be it would be nice.
0: Did he reach out he to you? He reached out,
1: yeah. He reached out.
0: Damn. He's like, he's got heat he's got heat over there at Eating <laughs> tools, does. doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I just, one of the things about you is I feel like, you know, when we talked to Steve Schwarzer and he, we asked him who who are some people that he really looks up to, he said you. Steve's great. You know, he, He's been so supportive like,
1: from the from the very beginning. And it's just, he's a, he's a wonderful person.
0: But he sees in you what a lot of people see in you, which is like this. One of the things that I want, I'm going to be selfish right now. I'm going to be selfish about you. I'm going to be selfish about you. Is I feel like I don't want you to be influenced. Like I wondered when I was thinking about your work, mm-hmm. I was like, the newer stuff is a little bit more sedated. Not sedated. Sed- I'm using terrible yeah, words. Yeah, no, it's good. Sub- uh, sedated, subdued, 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 yeah. subdued. And part of me is just like, is this an Eating Tools thing? <laughs> is it is is Eating Tools making him like kind of like calm down a little no bit? No way. He loves me... the, he
1: loves the storytelling. Abe is the, Abe is a better writer. His writing is extraordinary. His pictures are great, but his presentation and his writing—if you read the the uh, what he writes about, not just my work but any everyone's work—I love his. He's very good at positioning, and he does a great job with that. No, he's all about the craziest work. He loves
0: it. This is this is good to know. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I don't. P.S. I have not heard one bad thing from all the people I know who works with Abe. Abe at Eating Tools. You're the man. Listen, <laughs> he, don't listen to, he don't listen to this. I know. We. He and I've talked. He'd we, I to know him. he ain't listen to this. It's fine. Uh, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. But here's what I want. Here's what I want to make sure that you're not influenced too much because when I'm gonna a, a story that that really I think about a lot in terms of my work is when I was back in 1997. I had my shop. I had the opportunity to do a railing, which I had never done before, and they basically I got just hundreds and hundreds of pounds of old railing parts mm-hmm. and I was able to kind of make whatever I wanted. I had no formal training making a railing. I didn't have any formal training in terms of balance or geometry. I didn't have any, I didn't have any, they basically said, here's what we want you to do. when want you to make this railing. And I made a crazy railing. Mm-hmm. And when I made it, <laughs> It was so wild that I loved it. It was just like, it was very sculptural. Yeah. It had, a, I'll probably, I'll, what I'll do is I'm going to post on, on Instagram, I'll post a picture of that railing with your stuff so people can get some. Yeah, I want some, to see it. Um, so it was nuts. And I don't even think I used a tape measure. I mean, it, I, I eyeballed it, the whole thing and it's, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. And then when I started to work at the Center for Mental Arts and we were making real railings, Mm -hmm. I was learning the techniques of this is appropriate, this is not appropriate. This is how you do it, this is not how you do it. And I was embarrassed (laughs) to show the railing Um. that I had made to them because I was just like, they're going to be horrified. (laughs) And then as I spent years over the Center for Mental Arts... Making these, this is the the spacing, and this is the thing, and this is how you do a lamb's tongue, and this is appropriate, this looks like shit, this looks like, this is, I realized how much I loved the unadulterated railing more, because I wasn't, I didn't have, I didn't have the trappings of these techniques that you're supposed to have. Right. And I even look back at it now, and I think it's one of the best things I ever did, just because I, I wasn't told no. Yeah. I wasn't influenced. Yeah. And that's what I want to make sure it doesn't happen to you. I don't want you to be influenced by this is not how you're supposed to do it. This is the way you're supposed to do it. And I just want to make sure, I almost want to put like a protective bubble around <laughs> you. Thank you. So you have complete, I just want you to, I feel like the evolution of your work is just the beginning. It's one of my and own fears, f-
1: and I've said it before. Is, is what is your? Tell me about your. Fear. One of my one of my fears are is running out of ideas. I always feel like I'm going to run out of good ideas, um, and it, it never happens. I, I don't think it could happen because there's always some new inspiration that take that you know takes me in a new direction, and the other is um, kind of losing losing those naive. As you described, you know you didn't have the information or the or the, the training or the supervision. And that allowed you to do things that were were new. And that's my also one of my fears is that I become sort of overly concerned about things looking exactly the way they're supposed to look, according to someone else's idea of it. But again, you know, like um, I'll use my language analogy again. I mean, at some point, if you're speaking, you, you might be speaking your own language and nobody understands you. So you know i, I it's it's a balanced thing it's like how do you stay within I want to stay within what is what is is considered to be an understandable language of design, but I also want to continue to do really exciting things,
0: and I think i will this, this is the hard part about the knives being art, yeah, because knives are a hundred percent an object that exists, yes, and that there are certain there are certain boundaries that you don't really cross, right. and in order for it to be a working thing. Mm-hmm. So you're, like I said in the beginning, is you could watch a YouTube video, they'll show you how to profile, they'll show you the dimensions, they'll show you the geometry, they'll show you all the... I always think that knife making can be summed down as a series of, of uh, techniques strung together like a, you know, a series of like everything is a little trick mm. or a technique yeah. and you string them all together and then you end up with a knife. Yeah. But when it comes to something creative and sculptural like yours and, you know, and lyrical and, and there's so much more than just, this is just a knife for cutting. You know, there's so much more story. There's so much more involvement. I want you to not be in I want you to like, I almost want you to some of the some of the techniques you've seen or learned. I want some of the like I want them to be erased so you have that ability to to kind of go I mean, I know that one of your biggest fans is Nick Angier. Nick Nick talks about you a lot that's cool. and he, he's just like because he lo- he's in that vein too of just like fuck it. Yeah. I'm just gonna do I love his what attitude. I'm gonna do. And yeah. It's the greatest and that's one of the attitudes I love more than anything where where it's okay, yeah, of <laughs> course. You need to know that how, you know,
1: he has the attitude, and he's nope. willing to express it. I have the attitude, but I don't express it. <laughs> really, you think so? A little bit. I, I kind of. You
0: you're not. A, well, you don't want to express the attitude. I've
1: been too. I've been. Uh, I've become very cautious in what I say. Let's just put it that way. Why do you say that? It's. I think it's the business side that's done it to me. You know, I've learned to be huh. disciplined when I, you know, when I communicate, and it's kind of come over into my into my side of my life where I don't have to be careful.
0: Hmm weird that's because that's that's interesting because your work is 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 not subdued
1: the things i would say if you if i didn't think anyone was listening probably would be different so i'm not saying if
0: i press if i take the record button off now (laughs) if i just press stop recording okay josh i just press stop recording you can just say whatever you want to say now (laughs) all right don't worry about that little red light that says recording it's that doesn't yeah i
1: mean honestly i don't i don't care i'm gonna keep doing what i what i want to do that's the truth it doesn't matter you know It doesn't matter. This is an opportunity for me to do what I want to do and express myself the way I want to express myself. And I think that's what everyone should do. And and you said it very, you said it very poignantly, I think, which is we're each, each of us is on our own journey. We're each doing our own thing and following our own path. And uh, that's what, that's what you should do. Whether it turns out to be a business or not, that's a different conversation.
0: Hmm. I, I'm, I, the funny thing is about these paths are, I believe that a path is also not just, a path is also a series of, uh, a road to ruin, short <laughs> evolutions. No, everything needs to, when you said to me, I'm going to run out of ideas on my mind. I mean, if the camera was on, you would have seen my eyes roll back so far in my head. that <laughs> I had to get some like pry bars <laughs> to get them back. Is that, I was like, you all work real sin and your work is some of the sincerest stuff of I've ever ever seen of these sincere and you're putting yourself in these positions of being vulnerable, which is what sculptors do. Yeah. Sculptors put themselves in the position of being vulnerable and the vulner the pe they're vulnerable to their peers. Because you know we get risky. you know we put a knife up and you you say, oh, does the light make the plunge line look weird? Or, Are they gonna think that's a shine or a dip? Yeah. Or you know, you think about that and you don't think about it for your customer, you think about it for your peers. It's true. Yeah. You become vulnerable to the the judgment of your peers, which can be very stifling. Yeah, And I find it I'm relieved when I see your work, because I see from you, I'm making this handle is going to be like a sh- like a whale, yeah, and this one's going to be like a Spitfire, and that's just the way it is. That's it. And and yeah. and it's and it's very re- refreshing.
1: Thank you. Well, that's 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 been the drive. I get the idea, and I just have I just have to do it and uh, and share it. And so you know.
0: you're subdued in your in your speaking, but you're not subdued when you're in the action. I
1: think that's true. That's been my way. I'm probably not the only one. I'm probably not unique in that.
0: I think you are. Mm. I think you are unique. That's why I was saying left brain, right left brain, because when you speak, you speak very carefully. You choose very, very, you're very, very eloquent in the words that you choose. And it makes me realize that you're very thoughtful in terms of what you're doing yeah it's a real problem because i'd like to be
1: i'd like to be more i can be fun entertaining but you know i'm careful at the same time it takes me a while
0: boring i didn't say you're boring (laughs) i said i said that you're very you're very careful in regards your words are you speak what it does is that you know the the choice of words the eloquence eloquent eloquentness whatever, yeah. it makes you much more serious sounding. That's all. Yeah. I think that for, without question, you're one of the most exciting knife makers, bladesmiths out there. And I just want to make sure I'm telling you this, and I know that other people like John Ariani's probably saying the same thing. <laughs> we, you know, we just want to make sure that you don't change and that you're evolving in the way that you want to be evolving because it's beautiful. Well, thanks. And thanks, it's Jeff. wonderful to see. Thanks for, you, for that. And you you contradict me. Your your existence contradicts my hot take of knives <laughs> on art, which annoys the shit out of me. That you that you're the number one guy that makes when if people say, "Oh, knives on art," well, what about what Josh Prince is doing? And I'm like, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to, especially when you hear how you speak about your work and you see the work itself. It's hard to argue with it. I want that hot
1: take to continue.
0: I'll keep it. I listen, I need you, people people you need, people don't realize that hot takes are important if people want to be in the discussion you know, can never die. Radio. So I love it. Well,
1: and we'll uh see. people get mad. There's no, dude, there's, people no get... there's always a, you know, that's that's what it is. It's dialogue. You can you can it's like be the devil's advocate. Argue both sides, you know. You can you might be wrong. You might be right. I I like that. I think that's great. I'm gonna, I'm not going to uh say I'm not going to confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> that, what i think about it
0: oh you're elusive too yeah, that's I'm fine being elusive what's next for you what are we working on next what's the future hold for joshua prince prince works forge on instagram what's next, the next
1: i'm ready for the next adventure um i like i like the expression i the expression is usually used in a negative uh way, which is uh, when you don't know where you're going, any road will do. But I I actually have no problem. (laughs) I like the any road will do. So, you know, the next thing that catches my interest, I might be doing that. Um, I did a little crucible melt in the backyard. It was a scandalous affair. There were flames. There was a vortex of flame. There was the sound of jet engines. Uh, I barricaded myself in with trash cans so the neighbors wouldn't see what I was doing. <laughs> and that was kind of a, a little bit on a whim. You know, I've been seeing what people... Well, I've seen what highly professional people are doing. And uh, I thought, well, I got to try that. So I don't know. For me... Joshua yeah.
0: Prince. Any road will do. That's going to be the title of the show. <laughs> I, I like guess. it. Just <laughs> I like it. Dude... I speak for a lot of people when they, when I say, we love your work. And I'm saying it with a lot of people because it is refreshing. It's fun. It's sculpture. It's, it's, it's something that you can, I use you as a, as a reference often. And I love using you as a reference, but I do also enjoy your, our friendship. So I appreciate everything about you and I'm looking forward to the next thing. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Whatever you
1: do, it's going to be great. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.
0: Guys, you already follow Prince Works Forge, not Prince Forge Works. Prince <laughs> Works Forge. Go to his website; you can see a lot of his work. It's up there. You can hear, you can see the drawings. He's got a great website, and it's a lot of fun. He's also at Eating Tools. So if you if you're in the mood to buy a great knife for a wild one, go get yourself one from from Joshua Prince. Oh
1: man, Abe really he owes you that fruit basket, so big time, dude
0: there's so many people i have a list of people who owe me fruit baskets there are the, I, the list is getting longer and longer i'm not gonna bug for a fruit <laughs> I'm, basket I'm he does des- i do deserve one from yeah. him but uh i won't <laughs> i won't hit him up too hard i won't you know i got a couple other people who really own fruit baskets paul pinto owes me a fruit basket wow. bad yeah. paul pinto i i don't know you're listening but you can <laughs> anyone listening want to let chris Chris Zep, tell tell Paul Olsmier. You don't mean basket.
1: that literally. You mean like uh, that or something commensurate with a fruit basket, such as
0: I will take a <laughs> the fruit basket thing came from. I'll tell you what the fruit basket came thing. Years ago, I I've been going to my doctor for like I don't know 16 years, and he's he's fine. He's fine. I have sent him more business than I sent him. So many people, my dentist too. I sent my doctor so much business. That it got to the point where so many people, were they were asking me for his number, blah, 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 blah. I sent him a message saying, you owe me at least a Christmas fruit basket. And I kept saying it. And I kept saying, I was like, you know, I'm expecting this. Fruit. And I call him Jim. Like, he's the doctor. But I call him Jim. Jim. <laughs> at some point, I you—I deserve a fruit basket. I know I put one of your, i within my recommendations, I know I put one of your kids through college at least. And I, and I, and I got that Audi, you got driving away. I, I'm sending you that. Fruit basket. So I, I started using. We, my wife and I refer to people, when people owe us something, we say they owe us a fruit basket.
1: <laughs> I might owe you a fruit basket.
0: You don't owe me anything. You gave me some beautiful wood when we met at Blade Show. You gave me the coin. You don't if owe I me like anything. You, i give you just, stuff. Well, then I appreciate everything. Uh, you gave me. A, you sent me down. I have still have a billet that you sent down with Ashley Childs. Take your time. That I'm, I want to use. I still. I look at it all the time. I'm like, I got to make something with it. But I'm just like, I don't want to fuck it Take up. Take your time. Guys, thank you very much. This has been episode 51. I don't count because I just like it gets to the point where I don't count and say this is episode because it's like, what am I counting for? I mean, it just is what it is. This was the last episode of a full year of pod. Oh, actually, next week will be fifty-two, so I've done fifty a year's worth of podcasts once a week. I'm very excited about next week because the modern forge team will be here. John nice. Ariani. Cliff Dufton, and Jesse Savage. The whole team will be here. We're working it out. This is a last minute decision. Jesse will be here. The Modern Forge team will be here to help me celebrate one year in podcasting. I'm not really going to talk about that. We're going to fuck around. So with that said, guys, go to do me a favor. Do me a favor, please go to Insta- go to um, uh, wherever you listen to this and write a good review I could use a little bit of help here uh, I was also on thank you to the guys over at shop sounds I was uh, just on shop sounds uh yep that's a, that was, it was great a real good time yep. I brought over a lot of woodworkers to the knife game so we' a lot of people are now starting to watch we're doing we're very happy with that thank you keith uh johnson kj sawdust for having me on and jason and nick thank you very much it was a lot of fun i appreciate that um go follow us on instagram full blast podcast on instagram and go follow josh for sure next week we'll be here with the uh we'll celebrate 52 episodes with the modern forge josh thanks again and keep doing what you're doing thank you
1: The Full Blast podcast is proudly sponsored by Axe Wax, an all-natural food-safe wax for coating your handles. It can be used on your axes, your knives or even on your boots with the full confidence that Axe Wax is safe and durable. Furthermore, if you use the promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get a special 10% discount on your order. So go to axewax.us and get yourself some of the most luxurious wax for waxing your axe.
0: If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.